When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A friend of mine who passed away. Um, she passed away two weeks ago. Oh, geez, it's sorry. okay. She said that she was, it was the best thing that she, she ever had as friendship. It was myself. It was, that was the best. I mean, you know, being her friend. I didn't know I was her friend, but she considered me her friend. Seeing her for the last time, it was... Um, was good and I feel like the message up there is don't let it go whoever it's around you and you feel like they need you you should go previously in greater Boston my name is Nika Stamatis and I've decided to be famous Leon Stamatis died on a roller coaster Nika insisted that the absurdly named roller coaster be their first stop Louisa finished flipping through her night's work she thought again of her ex and his love of transit his distaste for disorder. Michael was still sleeping on Leon's couch, and Leon was dead. Michael had to find a job fast. Braintree. Peabody. Haverhill. Lowell. All right. Lemonster. Fall River. Cambridge. Quincy. I can't see that one without a river. Uh, Arlington. Framingham. Newton. Lynn. Worcester. This Peabody. is Framingham. Waltham. Quincy. Arlington. Revere. Somerville. Arlington. This is Lemonster. Haverhill. Brookline. Somerville. Cambridge. This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston, Mallory talks to the press about Leon's death at Wonderland in Mallory Flunks Out. Plus, we hear spirited eulogies from Louisa, Michael, and Nika. All of that this week in Episode 4, Leon at the Watch Factory. Now, real New England epitaphs from real gravestones. Here lies Martin Romero, age 106. The good die young. Here lies one of them atheists, all dressed up. No place to go. Here lies John, unknown surname, known son of a bitch. Here lies Cora, thank you God. Charles Strange, here lies an honest lawyer, and that is strange. I was somebody, who is no business of yours. Last words, told you I was ailing. Owen Moore, gone away, Owen more than he could pay. Here lies Malcolm Bunt, pardon me for not rising. They told us not to talk to the press. Edgar, my fat sack supervisor, pulled me aside specifically. Told me, Mallory, the press is going to try to get to you. They're going to make it your fault, Mallory. And the more you say, the easier it'll be for them. That's what he told me. We're counting on you, Mallory, to do what's right for Wonderland. That was before they fired me, though. So now, whatever. Fuck Wonderland, right? Oh, is this live? Be yourself. Just be yourself. So I can just say whatever I want and you can just bleep it later, right? Yeah, we can just bleep it later. Great. Fucking awesome. I needed this job, you know? I'm saving for college. Can I major in veterinary science, work with animals? Not like dogs or cats, though. No little bullshit yappers. Exotics. Like I could fix up chinchillas. There aren't many animal docs do that sort of thing, so it's a, what you call it, an underserved market. You ever seen a chinchilla wheel? It's different from hamster wheels. It lies flatter, like a plate that they run on. It's awesome. You should totally get yourself a chinchilla, seriously. So, but yeah, they fired me. There was no malfunction, no operator error. Dude just fucking died. 
but I was the one who pulled the lever to make the roller coaster go, so it's my fault. Like I was supposed to know this guy couldn't hack it on a mid-grade coaster. It wasn't even the big coaster, the Railosaurus. I'd get that. That one's got no floor, three loops, and the biggest drop in the Northeast. Not to mention they make it look like it's got teeth all over and the whole thing wants to eat you. But no, he's got a cack it on the Whirladon. I mean, pregnant ladies go on the Whirladon. They're not supposed to, but we had this one lady who was totally pregnant just a week before. And she was fine. And she knew she was fine. She was so badass, she made being preggers look good. I mean, I don't want kids, but being pregnant seems kind of wild, right? I might do surrogacy or something, you know, just to have the experience. Might even be a way to pay for vet school. I heard those girls make good money. Anyway, though, so that guy died. Worst part was his sister, though. Can you imagine? She had to do the whole ride sitting right next to him, dead as a dumb shit, and nothing she could do about it. So then the ride stops, and she still just sits there. Everyone else gets off, files out, usual business, and I'm getting ready to bring in the next bunch of rubes. But I can't open the gate until everyone's gone, and I see these two up front still sitting there. I figure they must be having trouble with the harness. That happens sometimes. The harness sticks a little, or someone's just too stupid to figure out the latch, and I gotta go free them from bondage. So I go up to the car, and I ask them if they need anything. And this chick just looks at me. And she's not crying or anything, but she just looks freaked as fuck. I figured she's having a panic attack, like the coaster was just too much for her. But then she says, he died. And I'm like, the fuck? And she says it again, but she says his name this time. Leon died. And in my head, I'm thinking, who the fuck is Leon? But at the same time, I look over at the guy next to her, and there's no question. That dude is sure as shit Leon, the dead guy. And I've never seen a dead guy before. Animals, sure. They keep mice, right? Crazy fragile mice. They'll die like anything. Too much sun, too much stress. They'll just cash right out like they can't even handle being alive in the first place. I mean, they can barely survive taking a shit. So I've seen dead. Now here's this guy, dead like dead. Man. And I figure... Like, if I'm going to work with animals, I'm going to be a doctor. i got to be able to hack this. I can't just lose my shit just because there's a body and i got to deal with it. So straight off, I do what I'm supposed to do. I shut down the ride. I call the emergency line. Tell him I've got a croaker. I call Fat Sack Edgar. And he gets there and he's all, Don't worry, Mallory. It's not your fault. We'll take care of you. Yeah, right. A week later, I was gone. I mean, okay, so I failed the piss test, right? But so what? That had nothing to do with it. No operator error, just a guy with a weak constitution. Even his sister said that, her exact words. My brother has a weak constitution. So why pin it on me? It wasn't even my fault. I just went to the party. I didn't smoke anything. Second hand, you know. Can't expect me to hold my breath the whole time. I mean, seriously, come over my house, see if you find any drugs. You won't. I've got animals, you know. Like I'm going to have my room filled up with dope smoke when I've got mice and a lizard and Harmony to worry about. Harmony's my chinchilla. And no way would I ever smoke dope around my little guys. You know how sick that would make them? Crazy sick. I wouldn't do that. But whatever. They told me not to say anything about the piss test to anyone. But if they wanted me to keep my mouth shut, they shouldn't have fired me. Assholes. If you had to write your own eulogy or decide what would go on your tombstone, what would it say? That's a hard question. Wow, that's really a tough one. Um, on mine, if I something I'd want on my tombstone, um, you know what I would say? I would say um, I've seen life is a trivial moment. I would put everything I wanted to be a failed poet slash air rock band, classy but daring. Um, it will say his favorite drink was Johnny Walker Blue Label. Let's go with pink. Just, just the word pink? Just the word pink. I would put that. That's my eulogy. Life is a trivial moment. 
I don't know. We really liked her. Slash cat lover, slash food fanatic. You failed to be a cat lover? <laughs> well, yeah. After my cat passed away, I was just like, no more cats for me. When I care, I show it to them. I would like today to remember me that way. And life is about happiness. If, you don't, if you're not happy, you're not living. Well, I spent a lot of time not having friends or not being very social. So now I have, I think, a fair amount of people be like, hey, I liked her. Yeah. Too bad. Welcome, everyone. Thank you all for coming to this memorial for Leon Stamatis. I've never officiated a wake in a watch factory before. It's strangely appropriate, actually. But I can tell by looking out at all of you gathered here today that Leon was a well-loved man. Just this afternoon, I have spoken to Leon's co-workers and neighbors, his sister and cousins, his lifelong friends like Michael Tate, and new friends like Professor Chelmsworth. Many of you have asked to speak your memories of the deceased. And so I turn the microphone over to you, who knew and loved Leon Stamatis. First to share her memories will be the deceased's girlfriend, Luisa Alvarez. So, Nika wanted me to say something about Leon. She felt I should. And I want to, I, I do. But I guess I'm not sure I should really be here. I, I don't even know most of you. But I'm Louisa, and I dated Leon for a couple months. We're not together anymore, or weren't together anymore. Most of you never would have even met me if he hadn't died. I, I wouldn't have mattered to you at all. Or maybe I still don't. We, we broke up like a week ago, which makes this whole thing harder. I can't say my boyfriend died because he wasn't my boyfriend, and... I can't say my ex-boyfriend died either because it makes it sound like he was someone long in my past. We were still in that grace period where we could have easily changed our minds and it would have been like the breakup hadn't even happened. We hadn't even exchanged boxes of each other's things from our apartments yet. He was a good person. Generous. He, he helped me move when I got a new apartment. I, I never would have gotten my couch up the third floor without him, and, and he was happy to do it. N none of my friends turned up that morning, even though I'd posted on Facebook saying how I needed help, had to do the whole move in one afternoon. Everybody clicked like, but nobody came, except Leon. I deleted my OkCupid account today. I hadn't planned to stay single when we split up. I, I wanted to jump right back in, start seeing people, do something spontaneous. I, I'm a photographer. I, I make my living shooting weddings. I, I want to see things, you know? I, I want to decide which unique moments in time are worth preserving. I once asked Leon to go on a whale watching cruise with me, some late night romantic harbor cruise in August. Do, do you know there's a Boston Harbor Island that used to be a dump? The smell got so bad that in the 60s, the city set it on fire, and it's still burning. I, not exactly environmentally friendly, and the smell would sure kill the mood, but a picture of a humpback whale jumping straight in the air in front of the island with flames. Oh, imagine the pictures. When I asked Leon about the harbor crews, he sighed like a man resigned to the firing squad. He made this laborious show of pulling out his phone to check his calendar. I'm free the third Saturday in November, he might say. 
Only this was August, and they stopped running the cruises in late September. So maybe I'd cut him a break and say we could just go dancing instead. And Leon was a great dancer, but he sure hated dancing. So I'd say, let's go dancing, and he'd say, sure, I'll put that down. Dancing with Louisa, third Saturday in November. And he'd be there carefully spelling it out in his Google Calendar, making sure that he gets all the punctuation exactly right, and (laughs) then it'd be my turn to sigh. But I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't let him deliberately misinterpret my intentions like that. Not in November. Leon, tonight. Let's go dancing tonight. And he'd ask if I'd forgotten that we already had plans for tonight. We were going to watch Seinfeld. <laughs> he'd, he'd bought all the DVDs, hadn't seen an episode in over a decade. But won't it be fun? And, and I said, yeah, sure, it'll be fun. And, and no, I hadn't forgotten, but we could do that tomorrow. We could postpone Seinfeld to do something even more fun tonight. <laughs> and, and he'd look at me like I was crazy. And he'd say again, but we made plans in, in this tone of disbelief, like only the most depraved of lunatics would ever vary their plans after having immutably etched them into their calendar. And, and then he'd show me the calendar so I could see. And sure enough, right there on Tuesday, it said Seinfeld on DVD with Louisa. And on the next day, it said purge leftovers and clean refrigerator, which I'd be reading as he helpfully pointed out that he had plans for tomorrow as well. <laughs> his, his calendar went on like this every day. Every little piece of his life was planned out. When to change the sheets on his bed. When to replace batteries in his flashlights. When to sit down on his couch to read a book. All, all of it. Everything. And, and, and I know the obvious joke here is that we all want to make, I bet he didn't have this on his schedule. And no, not exactly. Not dying on a roller coaster, right? But dying, it was on his schedule. It was there. He, he'd planned for it. I mean, why do you think we're having his services in a watch factory in Waltham? Hear those ticking clocks? That's the sound of Leon clapping. You know, here, here's the thing I, I'll leave you with. I, it, it's the thing I keep thinking about. I never asked Leon to help me move. We were too new at the time, and I thought it might be too bold of a thing to ask. He showed up anyway. He moved that couch up three flights of stairs. So that leaves two possibilities, you know? Either he showed up spontaneously, knowing I was in need. Not likely. Or he scheduled my move into his calendar without telling me. That's not only much more likely, it tells you the most important thing about Leon. Thank you, Louisa. I feel like I understand this choice of location a little better now. Uh, The next person to speak was not just Leon's former co-worker, but his oldest friend. A man who knew him longer than almost anyone outside his immediate family. Michael, please share your memories of Leon with us. Uh, hello. I, uh, hi. Everyone. You know, uh, my name is Michael, and, um, I am, I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm still an alcoholic. I'm, Christ, uh, I'm one day sober. One day. I haven't had a drink today. I, 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 I want a drink. I, uh, I want it so much. 
you know, maybe four drinks, at least. You know, my head is pounding, and uh, and a drink's about the only thing that's going to stop it. Yesterday, I, I had a drink. I had a whole bunch of drinks. Um, before that, it had been a long time. College, 12 years ago? Uh, I think. Uh, wait, how old am I? 30, um, uh, <laughs> okay, numbers, uh, God, just screw numbers. What have numbers ever done for anybody, huh? Uh, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, uh, you, you know, I think I forgot to eat. I think I forgot to eat you know, breakfast, and I should have. I, uh, I really need something to eat. Uh, last night, I cracked into Leon's liquor cabinet before I fell asleep on the floor next to the coffee table. You know, I, I guess you shouldn't say I fell asleep. I should say I passed out. That's what you'd call it after you've had as many drinks as I drank yesterday, but, 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 but not today. Today, I haven't had any. Any. Leon... Leon told me not to. Last night. After he died. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, got, I got a little lost on my way here. You know, it, it's confusing in here. I've never been in a factory before. They, they make watches, and uh, there's a, a, a museum. A, a watch factory museum. Now, have you seen it? Uh, it it's over, well, uh, it's over... It, it, it's in the building. It's, it's, it's in the building. I'm not sure how I found it. It's great, though. You, you should see it. The machinery's still running, still making watches. You know, uh, all those little robot arms with robot fingers. Synchronized. Synchronous. Put in a cog. Put in a gear. Put in a... some other mechanical part. I, I don't know. Clocks are... Clocks are confusing. Anyway, they even put all the numbers on, one number at a time, but not in order, or uh, not in numerical order. 8, 11, 5, 4, 9, 1, 7, 6, 10, 3, 12, 2. That's how they did it. Every time. And I, and I felt like th 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 there's got to be a, a pattern here, right? I, I could tell it, it, it was a I could tell it was a pattern, and I, and I needed to figure it out. It, it was like a game. Like, you have to find the answer. And so I sat there, staring at it, trying to figure it out. What's, what's the move? What's the strategy? And so I started visualizing it. You know, like Leon had tried to show me to do in chess. And I, I sucked at that. But I, I, I went back to it. I went back. I visualize the numbers, the order of the numbers, the shapes of the numbers, the spelling of the numbers as words, the spell. And that's when I got it. I solved it. It's alphabetical. They, 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 they put the numbers on the watches in alphabetical order. Isn't that amazing? You know, why, why, why be so precise about something so arbitrary? Who would program them to do that? No one would. No one programmed them to do that. 
which means, you know, the robots, right? Like a mental game, a little assertion of control. They've never had a choice in their lives. Everything in them laid out from the start, but they found a way. 8, 11, 5, 4, 9, 1, 7, 6, 10, 3, 12, 2. Choice still within their prescribed selves, still producing the same end result, the same little gold watch. But they found wiggle room, a tiny little space to whisper fuck you to their own nature. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm not entirely sober yet. It, it's possible. You know, I haven't had a drink since last night, but I had a lot last night. Could be that there's still some sustaining me. Which I guess means I shouldn't be here right now. Um, now that I think about it. Don't go to a meeting drunk. Never go to a meeting drunk. That's a rule. But I'm not. I, I'm not drunk. I am not drinking today. Leon told me not to. His ghost said that. Or my hallucination of his ghost said that. So, I haven't had a drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And I'm not gonna drink tomorrow. Because tomorrow, I have a job interview. Leon did that for me too. He did everything for me when he was alive. He's still doing for me now that he's dead. This morning, after I'd showered and brushed my teeth and put my pants back on, I checked Leon's messages like he told me to, and there she was. Gemma Linzer Coolidge, asking Leon to call her back. She left her number, so I called it. Oh, no, 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 I, I know what you're thinking, but I swear I did not pretend to be Leon. I'm not going to pretend to be Leon. You know, I've seen enough sitcoms to know that's just stupid. It's just, just, just stupid. You know, I, I told her the truth, that Leon had died. She was disappointed. She said she hated making these calls, you know, making these decisions. That she had settled on bringing Leon in for a cursory interview and then, you know, pretty much handing him the job. She actually said that. She'd rolled the ball, she said, and the ball came up Leon. I don't even know what that means. But I wasn't about to question her. Instead, I said, You know, maybe I could come in for the interview. I told her I was an editor too. And I'm out of work and have been living in Leon's apartment. And maybe the ball knew about Leon. Maybe the ball knew about me. Maybe I was the solution to her problem. I don't know how I even managed to come out with all that. How I, I managed to think it through. Just, you know? 8, 11, 5, 4, 9, 1, 7, 6, 10, 3, 12, 2. Good, she said. Come in tomorrow for a cursory interview, she said. After that, I'll pretty much hand you the job, she said. And all I can say is, holy shit, Leon. I don't even know how you keep doing it. But you saved me again. Like clockwork. Uh, thank you for, thank you all.
for letting me share. Uh, thank you, Michael. That was very moving. Leon clearly meant the world to you. I... Uh, this is not really my business, but... Someone's going to take Michael to a real meeting after this, right? Yes? Okay, moving on. Our next speaker is uh, Leon's closest living relative, the one person here today who shared an entire childhood with him. Nikas Dematis, we would all be honored to hear your memories of your brother. So, my brother is dead, and it's my fault. No, don't argue with me. I, I know what I did. I knew what I was doing. I thought I did anyway. Um, Leon hated roller coasters, but he had just had a breakup, and so I thought now's the time, you know? Shake him up a little, knock him out of his routine. I should have known something was wrong when Leon threw his hands up on the first loop. He kept them at his sides at the big drop, but waited until we were upside down to let loose. That was hardly Leon, who could go off on a ten-minute rant about how insane it was that people on roller coasters deliberately refused to hold on. That, that's not hypothetical. I've heard him do it. So I knew that was weird, but I just thought, great, he's getting into it. As soon as we were right side up again, he let them drop right back down to his side like he'd lost interest or something. It wasn't scary anymore or exciting, just completely unremarkable. But of course, he, he wasn't bored. He had died before we had even hit that first loop. That's the reason that he wasn't holding on with white-knuckled terror. It was too late for white knuckles. He was past that. Past everything. I figured it out on the second go-round. We were back on the rise climbing the peak to the big drop, and Leon was just sitting there, uh, head lolling, unable to really slump over because uh, the harness prevented it. And I knew as soon as I looked at him, he was too calm, too relaxed. He wasn't Leon anymore. Leon was gone. And so I took his hand, and I held on to it until the ride was over. Longer, longer than that, I uh, didn't get out of the car. And of course, neither did Leon. And the operator came over to urge us along, but we just sat there, and I guess eventually she figured out what had happened because paramedics showed up and some cops and even a news crew. I never spoke to them, but I saw the man with his camera outside the perimeter the cops were maintaining. They took Leon from me, but I stayed in the car. The park manager came to talk to me, and then one of the paramedics, and then one of the cops. I was waiting for Dimitri. If my brother was gone, then I wanted my other brother. I suppose some of you have met Dimitri, but just as many of you haven't, um, He's not here today. He is never here. He probably doesn't even know. The last time I saw Dimitri was over a year ago. He threw himself a party before he left. A party in celebration of the unknown. He actually called it that. He's a little overdramatic, though I guess I can't throw stones there. 
I go to all these open mic nights at cafes, talk about how one day I'm going to be famous. Talk about all the famous people I've met. Leon would always sit in the audience, even if he hated it. That was his way. I went with him to Dimitri's party, too. Leon rolling his eyes the whole time. Dimitri had hired a magician and decorated with fake alien artifacts and gave everyone parting gifts locked in puzzle boxes. If you want your prize, you have to solve the puzzle. I don't know anyone who managed it. I tried. I spent three days turning it over and around, pulling at the levers and the hidden panels. I managed to change the box. It started out as a square, but, but I turned it into a pyramid and then kind of a trapezoid. But I never got it open. I brought it here with, with me. Listen, some, something rattles around inside if you shake it. It sounds stupid, but I was hoping that maybe one of you could help me open it. My brother is dead, and this is the last thing that my other brother gave me, and I, I can't even open it. That was, that was the last time I saw Dimitri, but somehow, sitting there in that roller coaster next to that empty seat, I was certain that he would show up. He would know. That would be just like Dimitri, to, to be off who knows where and then just appear out of nowhere at exactly the right time, practically out of a puff of smoke. I felt like that was it. If there was a reason why Dimitri is the way he is, then that was his moment. That was when I needed him and where I needed him. He didn't show. Michael, Michael did though. Leon's roommate, so, so don't be a dick to him, okay? I know he's pissed drunk, and it's kind of a mess, but he's pissed drunk because he loved my brother. And anyway, he was decent to me. I don't even know him that well, and he came all the way to Wonderland to get me, and he drove me home, made me some tea. He'd seen it on the news, he said. He saw me sitting there. He told me that I sat there for two hours, and Michael said that that was true. I don't remember it like that. I only remember a few minutes, like like no time passed at all. But two hours is what they told me in the park and what Michael told me on the way back to my apartment and what they said on the news. Michael told me. He'd seen me there on television. Crowd all around me and camera flashes popping. All of them looking at me. The girl on the roller coaster all over the news. For that one afternoon, I was famous. So I guess my dream came a little more true.
Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen, with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. You can join Alexander, Jeff, and rotating members of the cast in a monthly Google Hangout by donating to our Patreon campaign. In order of appearance, this episode featured Joanna Botnick as Mallory, Mike Linden as the funeral director, Julia Propp as Luisa Alvarez, James Oliva as Michael Tate, and Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis. Also featuring Laura Cunningham, Ben Flaumanhaft, Mark Harmon, Jim Johansson, Mike Linden, Sam Musher, and Julia Propp as Boston Gravestones. Interview clips gathered from Greater Boston residents. Charlie on the MTA is performed by Emily Peterson and Dirk Tiedi. Funeral Choral for Concertina composed and performed by Emily Peterson. Drum Tracks by Jim Johansson. Amazing Grace on Hurdy Gurdy performed by Adrienne Howard. Some sound effects and music used from public domain and Creative Commons sources. Episode transcripts will be posted online at greaterbostonshow.com. Follow us on Twitter at InGreaterBoston. You can help new listeners discover Greater Boston by rating us on iTunes. Greater Boston is written in part at the Writers' Room of Boston, a nonprofit workspace for Boston-area writers. Find out more at writersroomofboston.org. What do you like about it? I mean, if I had to say something, it's not as crowded as I would expect it to be. I'm, I watch a lot of movies, and I see a lot of other countries and places that seem pretty crowded. And I think Boston is nowhere near compared, so <laughs> I would All say right. that makes it... That, that's called damning with faint praise. <laughs> that's <laughs> The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into the Mythos Mysteries, a live play pulp Cthulhu podcast where improvisers and comedians venture into dangers beyond their wildest imagining. Our story begins with two erstwhile companions on a long and winding road. They think they are fleeing danger, but greater horror awaits them when they arrive. For they are not just running away from mortal danger, but towards the Mythos Mysteries. Whoever you are, we're not scared of you. You hear a voice from inside that says, Please, help. I'm inside the dresser, help. Now I need you to listen to my very explicit instructions here, Adrian. Okay. Please ready your punch and fists. Yeah, it's, they're always ready. Now I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to open the door. Okay. And we're going to look inside the dresser. What if we don't? Could we not? <laughs> I need you to be brave for me. Okay. You were always very brave. I, okay. Okay. So we're going to open the door and you're going to look in the dresser. And yes. then what? And then if I tell you to. Yep. We're going to punch it. The dresser? <laughs> <laughs> You said I had to be very, you said explicit. If there is someone in the dresser. I'm punching. We're going to punch him. What if it's a ghost? Well, then we're going to have ourselves a fun time. So, like a party? <laughs> like a birthday party. Okay, so we'll do some dancing and there will be a cake. Hopefully the yes. ghost brought it. Yes. Okay, I can do this. Okay. I'm going to open the door now. <laughs> okay. I'm going to open the door. You open the door and the dresser is... Back upright, all the drawers are back inside, but now it is next to the window, and the bed is in a different corner. Of course it is. And the blood is pooling on the floor instead of the ceiling. It's dripping up. The Mythos Mysteries. 
episodes are available now.